Hey everyone, this is Jeffrey with RealWorldEmber.com. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We're on a break between seasons one and two, but we're going to play a little interlude. So I did a Ember roundtable with with Eric with ProgrammerWithEric.com and David Tang at the JS guy, and we talked about a lot of Ember-related topics. So I'm going to play that in a second. And go ahead and give me feedback on whether you want to see more stuff like this in the future, as well as what specific topics you might want to hear us talk about. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the end. Hey guys, this is Eric. I'm with programwitheric.com, and we're going to do something different today. We're going to try a roundtable discussion. So I'm going to let uh, my guests here uh, in the panel introduce themselves. So David... Can you can tell us a little bit about yourself and your website? Yeah, sure. So my, my name is David Tang. I blog at thejsguy.com, mostly about Ember, but other things like testing and um, in my past ramblings on other technologies. Uh, and then I currently work as a front-end developer at uh, Verizon. Nice. And Jeff, uh, of course, Jeff, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, so I run emberscreencast.com. And as well as some other things like Real World Ember and some other upcoming attractions. That's awesome. Yeah, the Real uh, Real World Ember, the podcast. Yeah. Talk- yeah, just interviewing That's- regular folks that you might not otherwise have heard of. Cool. Very cool. So we have, um, we've come up with some topics that I think would be interesting. We're going to talk a little bit about development programming, uh, mostly about Ember, because this is our Ember roundtable. This is kind of an experiment to see how it goes. So uh, we've talked, uh, let's go ahead and start off with, I mean, EmberConf's coming up soon. I know, Jeff, you had been there once before. Yeah, it was actually and... my first conference. Can you just give us, a, how was that? So it was really great. And so you go in and there's all these people that you've seen online. And they're just all hanging out, chatting, and... It's a huge concentration of some of the smartest people in the Ember community, as well as the general JavaScript community. And just being in that atmosphere is really great. Like, they have talks, and those are fine. You can watch those on ConFreaks later. I, uh, I did part of the hallway track last time. It's technically single track. I would just, like, stay in the hallway and chat five minutes into each one. But I plan on doing even more of that this year. What is that? I've, I've been to other conferences, and a lot of times in between the talks is like the most important part. Not the most important, but a lot, very interesting. So the conference talk, what, do you, what did you mean by that? Oh, so, yeah, the most important part in general, like the talks are very important, but you can get the talks later. You can watch them at home when you're alone. But being at the conference, that's the only time when you can talk to so many different people in the community and sort of get a feel for where the community is, get to know a lot of really cool people. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely think that's, that's true. I've had a lot of interesting encounters with people in the community um, at different conferences. I fortunately can't make it this year i was i have another prior obligation but um hopefully i can make it next year 
Um, I don't know what David. I know you can't make it, but is that your experience too with with conferences? Um, well, actually, I am going this year. So oh, I mean, you can't. You didn't make it last year. That is. Yeah. So you are making it this year. So yeah, I think uh, last year, maybe the year before, I was actually at the Angular conference. <laughs> <laughs> now, what years. traitor? <laughs> well, I've traded two Ember. But he's our traitor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i'm super excited to go and uh yeah well how long was the the angular conference i think that one was two days two maybe three days i think I, it was the first angular conference so they might have actually been like two two years ago but uh it was their very first one and yeah it was kind of cool mm-hmm. yeah but i so don't think that I was when it was smaller and not the juggernaut it is now uh it was definitely, well, it was the first one. So tickets still sold out like in minutes and or uh-huh. a couple seconds. And it was still really big just because it was like the first one and everyone was talking about it. And I luckily got my employer to pay for it. So I didn't uh-huh. have to <laughs> about it. But yeah, it was, it was cool. So it's like a Justin Bieber show. Like you got to be right <laughs> on the site. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah, well, so that's definitely something we're all going to be looking forward to, at least for you two guys. And I would say if anybody's listening to this, you know, feel free to reach out to any of us and at least to David or Jeff who will be at the, the conference and maybe we can have a meetup. Yeah. If I mean, for some I'm reason, speaking on your guys' behalf. If for some reason I'm listening to a talk instead of talking to people, just like pull me out of there. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. So uh, we came up with some other questions, uh, some topics to talk about Uh so um, I'll start with the first one. Why is Ember a good first framework? So um, I think definitely for, for beginners, I would say first you'd want to make sure that you know the basics, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript before you jump into any sort of framework. You know, I don't know. Um, what do you think, Jeff? So I typically jump in with the framework first. I didn't necessarily do that with Ember because I knew JavaScript before Ember was a thing. But I jumped into Rails before I knew Ruby really well. And I was able to learn all the HTML, CSS, and Ruby that I needed while within the framework. And when you're working within a framework, there are a lot of sharp edges that you don't necessarily run into that you would if you were using just vanilla language. And it's a lot more, that happens a lot more in JavaScript than in Ruby, because Ruby is a very nice, beautiful, slow language. <laughs> and, but JavaScript, it has all these sharp edges because it was made in a week, and we can't break anything ever. And so, like, do you really need to know what dot .bind is to, in order to start working? If you're doing vanilla JS, definitely. If you're doing Ember... Not really, because it handles all that scoping for you. Yeah, I, I I get what you're saying there. I would think if you're a beginner and you're just starting off with Ember, I'd see that you can run everything pretty quickly. You can get a project up and running. You can start using the generators to start creating the scaffolding. I would. I'm just worried that if you don't have that JavaScript basics that you're going to run into some problems pretty quickly. You're going to not know how to, I don't know, you know, bring up, you won't be able to be able to insert specific information to the DOM at certain times or have certain things that you want to see. Mm-hmm. 
And um, that was, I, I do. That was especially true back when you had to use jQuery for some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think Ember's getting the sort of uh, abstractions now where you don't ever have to input anything directly into the DOM. I could be wrong about that. I see. Yeah, I'm trying to think of scenarios where you might need to know a little bit more JavaScript. But yeah, I mean, it would be nice to, nice to have a good solid foundation. I I did similarly to what you did, Jeff, when I started learning Ember. I was not anywhere near a JavaScript expert. I'm not a JavaScript expert now. <laughs> but uh, I certainly learned a lot in the last few years. Mm-hmm. And I did run into a few instances where not knowing it did hurt me, but I can see both sides. Um, right. I know definitely that um, tooling in Ember, CLD, Ember CLI tool itself is just pretty excellent for beginners. You can get re- up and running really quickly. And you get to really understand right away with the ES6 modules, how to start doing things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, do you, what do you think, David? Yeah, I mean, I think that's also a great reason to get into Ember as a first framework, because if you choose something else, you're pretty inundated with things like choosing which uh, build package and, you know, gulp or grunt. And then, you know, how do I add this uh, ES6 thing I keep hearing about? And, you know, how Mm -hmm. do I structure the project? And there's a lot of like small decisions I could take a week to figure out. And that's like a little bit too much for the beginner. Like they want to solve problems, build something like at least with Ember, it's like, okay, you can get it running in about, I don't know, five minutes. (laughs) Yeah. And even after you're an Ember expert, trying to go back and build all those things from scratch. Like I was writing a book where it was originally just going to be about ES 2015. So I was going to go get Babel and Broccoli running. And <laughs> after a couple hours, I was just like, forget this. I'm using Ember CLI. They can install NPM. Very true. I don't think I've actually tried using ES6 outside of an Ember project. I've never had to install like Babel or any of that. It's Yeah, it's not super easy. Yeah. I'm sure there's a grunt package somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> then you got to install grunt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to angst over whether you should have chosen gulp or broccoli. <laughs> that too. Like the angst is very important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and definitely like learning, um, you kind of, if you start off with Ember, your first framework, and this can be true with many others, but you're going to be learning the MVC architecture. You're going to be mm-hmm. separating your code out between your templates, your components, your controllers. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and you're, if you use Ember data, you're going to have your, your different types of models. I think that's a good primer to, to write good, clean code to start off with. It's really, that's the way you want to write it in Ember. Yeah, yeah. and it also does, um, I guess it introduces you to the idea of testing. Because, like, I think, you know, a lot of JavaScript developers, they probably have never even heard of testing. I know I didn't when, you know, at least in, within my first few years. And at least... If you start off with Ember and you run some of these Ember generate commands, you see that test file and you're like, hmm, what is that? And if, you know, at least you get exposed to it a little early on. Yeah. Yeah. And I had this irrational fear of JavaScript testing, but once I actually start, Ember makes it really easy. Like yeah. there are still big hiccups in places, but it's amazing how much stuff has been smoothed over by the Ember tooling. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I mean, one one other thing definitely would be uh, maybe there's a little bit of a con for beginners is that if you don't understand what it's doing, what the what the Ember CLI is doing, you could 
you'll be ignoring certain parts of it and then to extend it, it'll be a little bit harder. So let's say you wanted to add some development dependencies to your project mm -hmm. and you're not, you, you use Bower, maybe you don't understand, well, now I got to go into this Ember CLI build and then import it in here. And if it's like AMD or non-AMD, I guess some beginners might be confused about that. Right. And, and not understand what exactly to do. Because they try to bring in the React style, take a little bit of everything approach. And that will really not work with Ember CLI. Like you can <laughs> swap stuff out, but you have to do it through the system. And I don't know if you guys agree with this, but the the content secure policy CSP oh yeah that that runs that yeah. always give you a bunch of errors. I they're taking I that do out. Do not like that. They are yeah. Newer versions okay, of Ember CLI are not going to have that. Oh, wow. I was going to say, I, okay, thank you, because I, I hate, I always just delete it out of my node modules, and I, I never like that. And when you open up the console, you see it, if you don't set it up correctly, you always see a bunch of errors. So. Yeah. So uh, we've all been super positive about Ember for beginners, but I want to say something negative real quick. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was saying we should do the pros and cons for people. I, yeah. I think that's okay. One of the cons is, okay, so the community is great. And the community is awesome, especially for people that have already been in it. And it's pretty welcoming to newcomers. But there's one thing we do, which is awesome for people who are already here, which is we discuss to death things that are not created yet. And I feel like the bulk of our hype cycle is on stuff that isn't here yet. And so you come into Ember, you hear about, ooh, routable components, those sound good. And then you start creating them and like, oh, man, I know I'm not supposed to use controllers. How do I get these routable components? But it turns out they're not a thing yet. They are <laughs> somewhere in Canary behind a feature flag. And there's a constant thing where at any point where you join, there's going to be something like that. Yeah, I, I agree totally with the the controllers versus components, the writable component thing. It's something we've been hearing about for a while. It's going to land sooner or later. Uh -huh. But as a beginner who's starting us Ember, they're like, okay, I, I need a, I have these controllers and I have these components, and then I have I have actions, I have closure actions. But if I use closure actions, I still really need to use controllers. Mm -hmm. And I, what about? I mean, there's this whole idea of bubbling. I think that that could be confusing for beginners and how we you want to do certain actions or certain things in certain parts of the application. So we might want to have stuff happening in the, the router, but not inside the, the controller or component. Right. Not a, so yeah. that kind of goes a little bit beyond. I'm going to do the thing that I complained about. I think that's being solved with routable components. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could totally, yeah, that's a, pretty frustrating. I mean, I was recently, um, trying to get work at, um, at work, we're actually converting over to Ember from Angular, and there's um, those questions come up a lot where it's like, you know, what about controllers and writable components? Like, should I be using controllers and, and all mm -hmm. that? And I can see that it's definitely um, tough as a beginner because you, know, you see a lot of this stuff and it will be deprecated, but it's not yet, so should I use it? Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of forward thinking, which is usually good unless it's looking farther than we are yeah i know there's a the the six week release cycle i know they've changed it to have a more longer term support cycles i mean jeff do you know how i mean can you explain that a little bit better i yeah I so well. how i'm understanding that is 
you've got your six weeks release cycle where they are not going to break any public APIs, but they can still change private APIs. And they might do a deprecation for common private APIs one release cycle ahead of time. So say if they want to remove something in 2.5, that's a commonly used private API. Then in 2.4, they might give a deprecation warning on it. So that's the current thing. The new thing with long-term support is they're promising that if you are on 2.4 and you get rid of all your deprecation warnings, then you can go to 2.8 just fine without having to worry about a private API being knocked out somewhere there. And that's going to make it a lot easier on add-on authors and on people who write versioned instructional material. Because I know like there are some books that were updated every six weeks, and that's just really <laughs> intense. Now they only have to be updated twice a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know the production... Um, yeah, I guess if you're constantly upgrading stuff in production, that that is valuable to have the new cycles of releasing. But going back to the why is the Ember uh, Ember a good first framework? I mean, I guess that is a pro and a con that we have such frequent updates to the framework, but right. it, it can cause issues for people that are having apps in production. They need to constantly upgrade them. Yeah, yeah. I you feel guys... that. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to go back to like you know some of the tougher parts um, for beginners in Ember. Did you guys have a hard time learning things like Ember Data? Uh, yeah, I learned it before the big rewrite, and okay. so before the big rewrite, it was kind of a mess. And I'm talking about not the most recent big rewrite, the one that from to 1.13 and 2.0. But the one a year to year and a half before that, uh, yeah. I think they called it J.J. Abrams because it was a reboot. <laughs> and before that, it was very difficult to work with because they were trying to do, I mean, Ember Data in its current form is really ambitious, but it was even more ambitious than that before. And it was just too much. And so they simplified it. They took it down to what they knew they could handle. And... After that, it got much easier to learn. I don't know. Uh, I guess you learned it after the big rewrite. So what was your experience? I, I tried it, like, actually, um, well, I actually tried Ember right when 1.0 came out. And I think I was watching the Code School course, the warming uh -huh. up of Ember. And so, I, you know, the course was great. And I tried taking it to, like, a real project with, uh, you know, a different API. And I was like, you know, why isn't this working? And I just... Had so it was really frustrating. So that's kind of actually why I stopped looking at Ember between like one O and then one dot six. Uh huh. Uh, and then I kind of got back into it and spent a little bit more time closer to two point at least with uh, Ember data and it took a little time. But now I now I I think I've fully grasped it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's difficult because it's tackling a large problem domain. Yeah, and I think that's actually really a uh, difficult for beginners because like you first get into it and everyone's talking about Ember Data. You see all these tutorials using Ember Data, but your API might not actually be formatted that same way. And so you quickly get into like, okay, I got to customize this adapter and this serializer and you know this mm -hmm. and this. And so it's 
it can be um, – I can see why the learning curve is a little bit tough for beginners unless your back end is, like, already perfectly structured. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I guess I've been working with mostly Rails apps, so that makes it real easy. Yeah, I'd say that wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've definitely had that issue, too. If you have control of the back end, you can create the API, then – then you're you're golden but if you're using some other buddy's api or you're not control of it then you're going to have to be looking at taking the looking at rewrite you know extending the serializer adapters mm -hmm. and and trying to create maybe the find an adapter that works or use the you know ember data and then try to write your own serializer and it's not easy that's definitely a little bit more difficult for beginners mm -hmm. to, to do that yeah definitely yeah but i think overall for someone just starting out if you're looking for a good JavaScript framework, I think Ember is definitely a good choice. Yeah. To get started. I agree. Yeah. What are the good uh, tutorials right now? I know Code School just released an updated one. Yeah. I just got an email from the guy that wrote it, mm -hmm. and he asked me to update some of my tutorials because um, I have I have a couple of blog posts that I mentioned Code School in. Uh-huh. Is I did try the the code school at the beginning and I, I liked it. That was before Ember CLI, but yeah, the new one is using Ember CLI and it's it's supposed to be better. Yeah, I, is... I actually tried it recently. I was just curious um, just to see how it was updated. And it's pretty good. I think it's a great start for beginners and because it introduces you both to CLI and most of the concepts. It doesn't use Ember Data. It just uses like services for the data store or for data access. But uh, it's still like a great introduction. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all, all I think all three of our websites could be great resources. <laughs> I mean, we don't have to get plugged <laughs> again, but Ember Screencast, Program with Eric, Eric, the JS guy. I mean, yeah. I mean, if with, beyond ours, um, I know that for a while Ember Watch um, was a, a pretty good resource. I think we all right know that. I I think they're going to be starting to rewrite that. Oh, good. I'm um, trying to update that. Um, soon that so that'll be great yeah i know uh our three sites are more for intermediate developers it seems like so it's not great for just starting and yeah. Emberwatch has a similar thing uh, yeah i guess you could say that and then like ember guides obviously yeah. would be the, the best place and the guides go. are actually really good now yeah they've really gotten a lot better yeah. um there's also i know some other paid resources that i thought were pretty good like the Rock and Roll with Ember book. Yeah, that one's mm -hmm. good. Yeah, I read that and I really liked it. And Erdy. Uh, also Ember 101, which used to be Ember CLI 101. Mm -hmm. That's now free. Yeah, so that's great if you don't want to, you know, commit just yet to a paid resource. Right, right. <laughs> that's usually the first place that I point people. Yeah. And uh, I'll have to give a plug for my book, the, program, um, the Ember JS Cookbook. It's coming out next month. Um, hopefully so and it's <laughs> it goes through a lot of very beginner stuff all the way to intermediate maybe a little bit advanced but mostly beginner to intermediate and we go over a dump a bunch of different recipes and all the different basics that you would see in the guides i create my own um recipes for a lot of those different concepts and ideas to get people through okay is it like um you start off building an application and by the end you have kind of a complete application well, each each chapter has is a different topic, and in each topic, there's something called recipes, but they're really just short, either short snippets of code, or short applications which illustrate a certain concept. So you might have a 
a chapter on components and mm -hmm. then we go into okay this is how a component set up this is how you pass stuff into a component this is how you add it to the template and then a, a few a few things along the way there oh super cool and, excited to see and then yeah thanks and then at the end of the book it's it gets into more advanced uh, larger programs nice so like that are parts of the book understandable for beginners yeah it, it's a, it's a really tricky to do that because mm -hmm. you've got to you have to assume a certain level of sophistication with the end user of the book. Right. Otherwise, you'll be just sitting there writing, you know, really basic beginner stuff. So there is a lot of things that I, there is a certain level of, of what you should know before you start the book. Mm -hmm. So obviously a little bit of HTML, CSS, JavaScript. But after that, I really go into detail of just a lot of the basics at the beginning of the book. And then it ramps up from there. Awesome. Yeah, I guess while we're talking about our own stuff, I am writing a book that introduces people to the new type of JavaScript, as well as some concepts in Ember CLI and Ember. It's because it's all taking place within an Ember component. And we're just building Pac-Man. That's pretty Very cool. Yeah. Do you have a URL for that? Uh, you know, I'll set up a lean pub before we post this show so we can put in the show notes. Cool. Definitely. Is it targeted towards um, just people completely new to Ember, or is it like a specific Yeah, kind? it's uh, people who are completely new to Ember. You don't necessarily have to have any JavaScript experience, because the first few chapters are explaining JavaScript concepts in pretty painstaking detail. So my target is smart people who have uh, experience in at least one language and might not have used JavaScript that much. Oh, okay. How that's great. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're past that and you just want to learn how to build Pac-Man, you can uh, just skim over some of the sections. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's some good resources. I know I, uh, I, I think I had a blog post. I'll add it to the show notes, too. I went over some more resources. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot out there. Uh, so well, let's move on to the, let's move on to another question. So if you are beginning to start Ember, where do you where should you go, or not not what resources, but what should you do if you're starting with Ember? Um, I, I was thinking like obviously, if you're trying to learn the the language or learn the framework that is, you should probably start creating projects and then posting those projects online, um, submitting it to GitHub, um, maybe even blogging. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, trying to maybe do what you've done in previous apps, like if. If you're coming from, um, like maybe you were just doing some plain jQuery and you, you know, you made some AJAX calls and displayed it on a page, like maybe try and replicate that within Ember. I think that's, you know, that's a probably good, a pretty good first project. Right. I mean, I think the first project is best done within the context of a book or a program, because that's going to show you the Ember way of doing it. And then what I would do either. If, it's, if your project that you want to do is similar, you can just start editing the end result of that project. Or you can copy some of it and bring it over to the one you want to create. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, so, there's nothing like having a bunch of working code that you can just mess with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can see a lot of the patterns in place and how things were already done. Learn from that. Yeah. And then you don't have a blank slate staring at you, this blank canvas. I know when I started learning Ember, I, I, I did go through the Code School course to try to build a, a simple application. I don't remember what it was. I think it's like a storefront, uh -huh. I think. 
And then I was reading a couple of books that helped me out. And then just recently, I was um, I was actually learning uh, different, just kind of dipping my toe into React. And I tried to create an application there, and I did exactly what you did, Jeff. I started using the that the course I was taking. I was using that mm-hmm. their framework, their application as kind of my first app. So, yeah. if, but let, let's say we're going on to the second app. You're still trying to learn Ember. You've you've read some books. You may have done the sample apps in some of the books, but your second or third application, just to get an idea of the framework, I mean, a lot of people start doing like to-do apps, or I've done this in the past in some of my blog articles, is how to create a blog type applications. Uh-huh. Do you think, what do you guys think about those type of applications to learn a language or framework? Yeah, I think that's, uh, I mean, that's a great way. Just find something you're passionate about, maybe start building it. Uh, I know in the past, like, I've usually done something where it's like, I'll find some open API, like GitHub's API, and then, like, grab some data, put it on a page, throw some styling, and you now that's like, and I'll slowly add in some more Embry concepts in there. It's kind of one way I've done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it all depends on what sort of complexity you're willing to tackle. And to do apps and blogs are popular because they've been proven to have the right kind of amount of complexity for a first or second app. But if you're really excited about something that's more complex, just start with a simple version of it and know that you're going to have a little bit of a harder time. <laughs> yeah, you know, going back to what you were saying, David, I, I remember playing around with the Reddit API and just trying to get the Reddit information in to create my own gallery. I think mm-hmm. I did that a little while back, and that was just kind of a fun little – it wasn't one of my first apps, but it was just one of my fun ways to, to work with the framework and get an idea of what it can do. Yeah, what, I'd say one of, um, like, I've tried learning other things in the past, and one of the struggles I had was, like, if I try and do something a little bit too ambitious, I focus maybe a little bit more on the back end stuff, like, trying to get the API so I can work with it in Ember, whereas, like, uh-huh. that's not the whole goal. Like, I want to learn, <laughs> like, use something that's already built, and just, like, if it's a public API, just use that, and, and then I don't have to mess with, like, trying to set up a rail server or whatever, and it's, it's yeah. like, you're focusing more on the thing you want to learn. Yeah, that's smart. I like Firebase. I think that's been a real great tool, so I can focus more on the front end and not have to worry about the, the back end versus things when I'm learning. Yeah, I've heard a lot about Firebase. Uh, so, how complex can your apps get while using it? I mean, yeah, definitely can. I mean, it's essentially for people who don't know, Firebase can be a, a way you can do uh, authentication. You can also be your data store, so it can be your database, mm-hmm. and it's just talks over public internet over an API back to it. So you can put in a bunch of security in there so only your website can talk back to it. You can It's a little bit more complicated to do the security, but you can put in uh, only certain parts of the application to be displayed for authenticated users. Right. Um, so it is powerful in that way. I mean, it's definitely, if you, if you want total and complete control, you still need to go with, you know, with your own back end you know, Rails or, or Node right. or something like that. But if you're, for for a lot of applications, and if you get sophisticated enough, I'm sure you can you can almost duplicate a lot of stuff you're doing with, with Node or Rails inside Firebase. Right. There, Ooh, uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I, I would say I've heard a lot of good things. Yeah, there, I, I've tried it just for, like, the basic stuff, and their adapter is incredibly easy to use. Like, if you want to start learning Ember data without having to muck with, setting up your own backend or some of the complexities of adapters and serializers, 
you can really just install it and just start working with Ember data just like in the tutorials and have a full app working. So yeah, it's definitely, I think, a good resource if you're starting out. Nice. And another good starter is Ember CLI Mirage. They've got it set up so you can run your tests and your dev environment or even your production environment if you really want to go there. Uh, if you don't need people editing things from the same set of fixtures and factories. And <clears> so you just set up, it's sort of like a Firebase that you have on your server, like on your uh, dev environment. Yeah, Mirage is awesome. Yeah, we use it too. It's such a useful tool. Yeah. Yeah, to get up and running and then get everything taken care of. I know that there's also a built-in Express server that you can use using Ember CLI. I've, I've kind of not used it too really? much, but I've... Huh. Yeah, you can. I didn't know that. You can. Yeah, if I'm wrong, I'll put in the show notes, but I'm pretty sure there is huh. <laughs> that you can generate. Um, but yeah, I think Ember CLI Mirage is, is definitely more full free, fully featured and and you can do a lot more with it. Yeah, if... Uh... I guess that stole the oxygen from the thing you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I still think the CLI Mirage is the best, but I've written a lot about it. And it's definitely good to get started when you're learning Ember. Yeah, definitely. So uh, as Ember developers, here's another question and topic we can discuss. What are some things have we learned that made us better developers in general, just by learning Ember. Ooh. I think that testing, that, um, I did testing, I think, in, in Angular and Backbone and stuff, but it opened my eyes up to the other types of testing, especially, like, acceptance testing, because I tried it in in um, Angular and Backbone with, like, things like Casper or um, Protractor, and they just, I usually gave up because they're a little bit hard to work with and they kind of didn't run consistently. Whereas now I can, you know, with Ember, it's, I really saw the value in just their acceptance testing and it was just how easy it was and how fast it was. It just, it, I, it made me start actually writing a lot more. So that kind of opened my eyes up to that. Yeah. I've never been great at doing tests. Nothing I always know I should do, but I don't always do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, definitely tests, I would say, is a great example. I mean, uh, structuring, maybe you guys have been better at structuring your applications into unique little files, but definitely using the MVC structure and having everything in its own place, I think, I guess in general, has made me think a little bit differently yeah. when I create projects. Yeah, and it's uh, really turned me on to the idea of internal APIs, where we think a lot about the user interface of our app other people more than me, honestly. But we don't often think as much about the user interface of the libraries that we're creating, and even within our own app. And so Ember has a lot of defaults that help you make better internal APIs. Like components are a great example, because it has you have to specify what state you're passing in. And then that helps you think better about what do I need instead of just assuming everything, instead of just passing in all of the controller state. And once you that idea turns on in your head, you can start to think, oh, where else can I use this? How can I make everything this nice? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that way of thinking. 
trying to do that. Yeah, their API is very developer friendly and intuitive. So it's like, even if you don't know something, you can kind of guess what it is a lot of times or, or you know it's a Google. And it's just, yeah. It's that easy to, um, to think about. Oh, we need to make it harder so that we get a better graph on Google searches. Yeah. <laughs> we got to win the mindshare <laughs> by having shitty APIs. <laughs> well, there is, uh, are you talking about like the Google Trends? Yeah. Or, you know, that's, I'll, 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 this is a little bit of a tangent. Sorry about that. I might have a couple crazy things downstairs, but uh, I was going to say, um, going back to the the trends, and this might be a little bit of a tangent, but if you look at Google Trends and you look at Angular and Ember and React, you're definitely seeing uh, Ember is not quite as high on on that graph as others. But I don't think that's the end all be all of of Ember and how its popularity is growing or not growing. Right. I don't know if you guys there, have seen that. There are definitely things we've done to shoot ourselves in the foot with regard to that metric like starting a Slack channel where most of the talking happens. <laughs> and so we encourage people, instead of posting on Stack Overflow, you ask someone in the Slack channel, which is terrible for our rankings. And then by making great, easily searchable guides, so you don't search for it first on Google, you first go to the guides. Once again, terrible for our rankings. I know. So I propose <laughs> that we make it hard to ask questions to people and then we like start introducing errors into the guides that people are going to have to Google. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. That's how we can recapture developer mindshare. <laughs> yeah, there's this old... metric. Exactly. I mean, you're half joking, but yeah, it's. <laughs> it, it's uh, <laughs> I wish there was. I wish on um, things like Google Trends and where people come to take a look at the popularity frameworks that John, uh, Ember was a little bit higher on that on that list. There's an old article, I think it was ranking pretty high in Google about like, I think it was like compare the frameworks or Ember versus React versus whatever X. And it's been written a couple years ago and I don't like that article that much, but it always shows up when people start comparing frameworks. Uh -huh. And of course, one of the things they put on there is Google Trends and how the Ember Jess um, search terms are not as popular as the Angular or React search terms. Right. And I mean, that does, there is a side benefit of the crowd followers get filtered out. So we have a generally better community. But <laughs> I mean, to have a super robust community, we do need a few crowd followers. Yeah. I mean, that also. A lot of people. <laughs> exactly. And then you also have the. The, the companies that want to start using Ember and then they start Googling it and they try to compare the different frameworks and then these 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 articles come up that show, well, Ember isn't as popular as these other two and their search terms are down and then, right. and then it makes them rethink of using the framework in their projects when in actuality the framework is as good if not better than, than its competitors and the community is, is great and you're going to get all the help you need. Right. And I mean, C++ is one of the most popular languages, and no one's using it for a web server. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, popularity is not necessarily what you want to go for. I know. It's, I think, um, at least in the Code School course, they started mentioning like some pretty big companies that are using Ember. Uh, I think they mm -hmm. mentioned like PlayStation and like a bunch yeah. of Apple stuff. So it seems like with Ember too, it's gotten a lot more popular, and people are. Um, the community is growing. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, I think with Ember 2, when Ember 2 came out last year and it was talked about at EmberConf, I definitely saw that everybody was talking a lot more about it. And then people were talking about Angular being the rewrite and how that was going to be a problem. So I think it's definitely gained a little bit of popularity. Yeah, but the places it's gained popularity have been, it hasn't been with the Hacker News crowd. Because for them, Angular's dead, Ember's dead, React is almost dead, but Elm isn't quite good enough to take its place yet. <laughs> Do and, you guys but, think the Angular 2 thing will kind of like reshift it a little? Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I mean, that's probably not new enough for them. <laughs> but well, yeah, I, the, uh, where it's growing popularity is it looks like within big companies that have already been burned by using a less comprehensive framework. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, don't get me started with the Hacker News crowd. I have a love-hate relationship with them. <laughs> um, as a content creator that tries to get some of my things on there and then just going in and, and listening and, and reading the forum topics in Hacker News. Uh-huh. And, you know, I admit I like to, to bitch and complain about every, things every now and then, but if you want to hear a bunch of complainers, then go on Hacker News and jump in one of those threads and well, and the negativity that's spewed out there. I think the problem is you're not Elon Musk. So what <laughs> are you doing on Hacker News? <laughs> no, I will give... I, I, that's not for everybody. There's definitely some topics that are really positive and really happy, but I, I've seen a lot of things being torn down more than, than brought up, in, at least in the comment section of Hacker News. Right. It's a very... Uh, they don't have the politeness filter necessarily, <laughs> which is both good and bad. The bad things yeah. are more obvious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, moving on there. Um, so um, I don't. I think that's all the topics that I came up with here. Uh, do you guys have some other ones that we could talk about? So full disclosure to people uh, listening, my table I'm on right now is not round. It's a rectangle. I just <laughs> had to be honest here. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's important. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, David, I have one question for you. You said um, your Verizon has been using Ember. I know you probably can't talk about your employer too much, but did you did they did they do did they go through a bunch of different frameworks before they landed on Ember or was there a different process when they went there? Yeah, it, um everything was actually built using Angular and Gulp and some other um other JavaScript libraries and then and then I worked on those too a little bit and then um and then I introduced Ember just because I had a lot of great experiences with it, and the problems that we were facing there were pretty much solved by Ember. Things like testing and convention over configuration, and just mm -hmm. to, um, things just out of the box because of Ember CLI. And so we've um, slowly migrated some of our stuff over to that, and we're still kind of in that process, kind of moving it over from one place to another, or moving it over from Angular to Ember. But yeah, it's a, it's a good transition, and I. I think it's the right move just because um, it'll make it easy for developers to hop on, you know, between different projects and uh, without yeah, having to yeah. ramp up on all the special conventions that were created with that one kind of glue your own framework. Yeah, yeah. I know about a company that did something similar. They weren't even using Angular, though. They were using Backbone. Yeah. So all their projects were very special. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's even harder. <laughs> like, and I don't mean specials in badly engineered because they are fine in terms of engineering, but they are all different. Mm -hmm. And so jumping between them was next to impossible. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of time spent in thinking about those conventions, like even file naming and project structure, and it just takes time away from like the real thing that's important. Right. Yeah, I'd rather have Robert Jackson spend a year and a <laughs> half thinking about file structure and then tell me the right answer. Exactly. Rather than me spend two weeks thinking about it and getting it probably wrong. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> My question is, how does that guy have enough time to do everything he does? He's just, that guy's everywhere. He contributes to everything on Ember. Yeah. I think, uh, does he do just Ember work as, like, paying job? Or does he do client work as well? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I think he's, I saw a presentation with him. I, I think he was in New York City and he did a presentation a while back and and I thought he, I don't remember where he works now. Uh-huh. I don't know. Like, do you but hire yeah, him? Is it just there. a status boost for your company? Or does he actually work on your code base as well? Because if it's just a status <laughs> boost, then it kind of makes sense how he can get so much done. But if he's yeah. also working on company code, that's even more insane. Yeah, there's a handful of of like developers in this world that are just amazing about how much output that they can make, um, especially in the open source community. Mm-hmm. I think there's a few people that come to mind, but that goes a little bit beyond what we're talking about now. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's all we have now. I think this is an interesting, you know, we hit a hub, hit up a couple of few interesting topics here. Uh, any closing thoughts from everybody here, Jeff? So, uh, this has been awesome. And, uh, I have no more thoughts. I am <laughs> completely thoughted out. You want to give another um, plug for where people can reach you at? Yeah, so you can reach me. Uh, you can go to my site, emberscreencast.com. You can reach me on Twitter at, at Jeffrey Biles or at emberscreencast. And if you want to check out the book that I'm writing, I don't have a URL yet, but you can go and find it in the show notes. Sweet. For sure. What's up, David? Uh, let's see. You can find my Ember adventures, mostly Ember, but uh, other JavaScript stuff too, um, thejsguy.com. Mostly lately it's about Ember data just because I've do, been doing a lot of custom API stuff, but you know, it's pretty much everything Ember these days. And uh, and then on Twitter, at skaterdave85 without the E in Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just some Twitter handle you had forever? Yeah, and I just never changed it. And now I have too many. I, I have enough of a following where I don't want to change it. So I just. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few like that, too. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, and then uh, I'm Eric with programwitheric.com. You can reach me at Eric C-H, and that's with a K. All right. All well, right. It was great Thanks, talking guys. to you guys. Yeah. It's fun. All right. See you next time. Right. Okay. See you guys. So that was our first roundtable. I hope you enjoyed it. And let me know if you want to hear other content like this on this feed, as well as let me know what sort of topics you'd like us to hear us discuss at future roundtables. I'll see you next time.